I'm Pat Hyben, and over the past 25 years, I've sold over 7,000 homes, selling over a billion dollars in volume. In 2010, I sold my team business to my top agent and went on book tour promoting my book, Six Steps to Seven Figures, a real estate professional's guide to building wealth and creating your destiny. That book went on to become a New York Times bestseller. Now I live off the passive income streams from the real estate I bought with commissions I earned as a full-time agent. And I am committed to giving back to the real estate industry as so many mentors of mine have given back to me. On this show, we'll interview the world's best agents, brokers, coaches, and investors to help you make more commissions and create the life you deserve. Get a free copy of Chantel Ray's Five Alive contract, the form that she has her agent sign to get a guaranteed $75,000 salary if they don't make it in commissions. A very controversial plan that's happening in her market today. You can get a free copy. Just text CONTRACT to 444-999 or go to hybendigital.com backslash contract. That's hybendigital.com backslash contract or just text contract to 444-999. Okay, Rockstar Nation, we have a great guest today. Ariana Pereja is on the line and Ariana, you might recognize the last name, is the wife of Mr. Leo Pereja, who was episode number 100, believe it or not, and that was over 400 episodes ago, but uh, Leo and I have stayed in touch, and you may have heard of Leo, he was, you know, one of the top, I think he was number one at Keller Williams for a couple of years, and just built an amazing team, he recently sold that team, well, Ariana ran that team for him and I know that there's a lot of agents out there that are struggling or that wonder you know how do you run a very large real estate team and Ariana's here to share everything that she has learned and everything she has put in place running the Leo Pereja team so Ariana welcome the real estate rock stars thank you Pat thanks for having me on the show so a little bit about myself, I got into the real estate in industry when I was 18 years old. I started off working for the um, as, as an assistant for the CEO of a mortgage company. And during my time there, I really just was getting my feet wet and learning the ropes of the business and getting to know all of our different vendors. And I must have impressed one of our vendors, which was a title company, because they recruited me over as a sales position. And at that time, I had never been exposed to commissions. It was always on an hourly basis. So when I was 19 years old, I was making this, you know, base plus commission with a um, company card and gas reimbursements. I thought that I had made it big. I was like, whoa, this is this is mind blowing. I'm 19 years old and all my friends are barely getting waitressing jobs. So that went well and then um, turned into an account management position. I uh, brought in two sales reps underneath me. And then during the downturn, as you know, many companies went under. So did that one. And I was still pretty young. I was in my early 20s. 
recently engaged to Leo and I decided, you know, I'm going to get into event management. It's always been something that sparked my interest. So I applied for the George Washington University management program and shortly after enrollment, I was found by a headhunter to be the event coordinator for the Office of Small Business Programs for the Department of Defense. And that's where I really honed in on my people management skills. I was responsible for planning nationwide events that attracted up to 1,200 people with budgets of up to a million and was dealing with the government and private sector and made a lot of great contacts. And then I decided to start my own team. So I started off solo at first. And then within a few short years, I had four internal staff members and 25 seasonal event laborers. I managed and executed hundreds of events over the course of nine years. We specialized in lifestyle events, nonprofit fundraisers, private sector educational seminars, and lastly, industry conferences and expos. And so then I had a tipping point. My daughter had been born, my first child. She was born, and I went back to work when she was about two and a half, three months old. And I was gone from like a Thursday through Sunday. And I decided, oh my gosh, if I'm going to be away from my family for this long, working 18, 20-hour days, the money better be there. So coincidentally, around that same time, Leo had to step away from his uh, team because he was working on Remind, and Remind was really starting to take off. And you guys will start to hear about Remind, but it it was time. It was time for a change. So I jumped in as the general manager, and that brought me full circle back into real estate. And under my leadership, we grew sales to the highest figures in the company's history, up to $125 million from the previous year of $78 million. And at the end of 2016, early this year, uh, January 2017, we sold the company to Compass Real Estate. So that's me in a nutshell. Wow. And wow. I got a yeah. lot of questions. That's amazing. And of course, now you, you, you had your second child, right? Right. Yeah. So he is about seven weeks now. Wow. Amazing. Yeah. Congratulations on that. That's, I'm so excited for you guys. Okay. So man, this, this opens up a, a can of worms of just tons of questions that I got. Well, but what I really want to get to today is really like the do's and don'ts of running a large real estate team. I mean, you ran a $125 million team. Let me give, let me just get some aspects. First of all, the team that you ran, and then we're going to talk about what it was like coming into that team, what you had to do to change it, how you grew it. Then we'll talk about maybe how you actually sold a team to a company like Compass Real Estate and what that entails. And and so, but let's start at the beginning. So first of all, so you came in to this team and how much business was it doing when you came in? So when I came in, in 2000, at the end of 2015, I joined January 2016. So at the end of 2015, their their profit was at about 24%. They had done um, 1.6 in GCI, and the sales volume was 78 million. There was pretty much only about three active agents, and it was basically a multi-transactional business. So like a B2B, Leo was really good about going out and getting those relationships for accounts for listings, but he never so really you mean REOs? No, not REOs. I mean, we, there was still a few tiny REOs left over in 2015, but not really. It was so. What is B to B? If a business to business, but it's not REO business. So explain it. Like, how do you get business from a business? 
Right. So he had clients that were wholesalers that would go out and buy properties per year. And then he would then put them on the market to list. He worked with a lot of smaller uh, local custom home builders that would have five or six properties at a time to put on the market. So that those type of multi. So builders and wholesalers, he would be the listing agent for them. Correct. And you were making, let's say, you know, 120. So you were making like 450 grand profit. Right, you mm-hmm. came in. Company's making four fifty profit to you and Leo as a family. He needs to step out because, and we'll talk about this later. But he needs to step out because he's working on a software that that works with the MLS, and he's like, you know what, I I want, I really want to go into this software business and and make this run. So he says, listen, I want you to run it. Now, were was anyone running it, no. or was Leo running it? No. No, so no one was running the day to day. No Leo one was. Running. was okay. Yeah, exactly. No one was running the day to day. So it's not like he, you took a, like someone was fired and then you were hired. Correct, correct. There was never that position was never there. Okay, and so how many agents? How many staff? What did it look like? So when I I came on board, there was um, like I said three pretty much active agents, and then there was a whole staff of nine. So there was so, nine salaried. Three agents. Oh, oh, six salary, three agents. Right. Well, no, there was there was two more agents. They just weren't active. Okay. I mean, they just weren't actively doing any deals, period. Okay. They were on the team. They were terrible they agents. Just... They sucked. They didn't, <laughs> they didn't sell fair. anything. They, they just they weren't selling anything. <laughs> uh, 2015 wasn't their best year. Let's just put it like that. Okay. So then, so then you come in here and you say, okay, time, you know, there's a new sheriff in town. So what exactly did you do? So first thing I did when I came in, I decided to create a minimum standards agreement. And this was an agreement between me and the and the sales agents. And in that minimum standards agreement was that, one, they had to attend every Monday, Wednesday, Friday morning meeting. They had to do two deals per month, two open houses per month, and they had to respond to everyone, whether it was a lead, whether it was another team member, whether it was a title company, anybody within a 24 hour response time, whether it was a Facebook message, text, anything, that's a big pet peeve of mine. And it was like, okay, that was, that had to be in there. Okay. So So let me, let me back this up. So you, you then said, I'm going to have meetings, right? Meanwhile, I'm just going to assume Leo was, you know, for the 2015 Leo was out, you know, out and in, you know, he was probably halfway in, halfway out doing, doing his software stuff, you know, planning his next big venture. And you come in and you say, listen, I'm not going to just have a weekly meeting. I'm going to have a meeting every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, and everyone has to be in attendance. Correct. And what did you do at those so, meetings? So Mondays, Monday was to go over what happened over the weekend, to review any like open house traffic, contracts, questions. Wednesday was motivational Wednesdays, and Fridays was scripts and dialogues. And, and what is motivational Wednesdays? What's that mean? So motivational Wednesdays was when we revisited our 90 day goal. So in addition to the minimum standards, we sat down and wrote, everyone wrote down their 90 days goals personally and professionally. And every Wednesday we revisited those goals with each team member and 
We also talked about... You kept basically kept them accountable. Like Monday yeah. was a recap of the weekend. Wednesday was accountability and motivation. And then Friday was just scripts and dialogues, banging back and forth, buyers and seller scripts, buyers and seller scripts, learning you know, how to get more deals. Correct. And, and back to the motivational Wednesday, I also would incorporate like a 10 or 15 minute, like Tony Robbins video or something like that. And whoever didn't do their weekly goal mm. would then get some sort of humiliation. Whoa. <laughs> okay. Do tell. What does that um, mean? So we would just, we would, we would, we would decide as a group what that would be. So it could be 50 pushups on the conference table, or it could be, all right, right now you have to give, uh, you have to tell us your most embarrassing story from college or mm. it, we would come up with it as a group. Yeah, that that's great. That's great. Because, you know, you know, it's not about the embarrassing story or the pushups. It's about, you know, just everyone being aware, right? It's just aware of that, you know, this is going to come up again next Wednesday and again next Wednesday if you don't get it together. That's right. Yeah, exactly. And then so what were these, aside from the 24 hours and that sort of, what were the minimum standards or what was a typical goal? You know, what's a good two goal for people month. to sit? Two deals per month. Okay. So they, they had to do two deals per month. If you did not adhere to those minimum standards, you were terminated. Now, I did give a 30-day grace period for the first time you did not hit that two deals per month. And if you did not hit that two deals per month, the, for the next 30 days, you had to be in the office Monday through Friday, a minimum of six hours per day, mm. um, practicing your scripts and leave, and prospecting. Okay, so this, this leads to a question. You know, I've had some people on the phone uh, recently that have said, hey, you know, you don't need an office, you know, you can do this job virtually. I had somebody else come on and say, if you're going to create a team business, you definitely need an office because, you know, you, you want to start out the new agents and have them be focused and accountable. What, what's your opinion of that? I think it'd be ludicrous not to have an office. Um, that's just my opinion. I think that the productivity went up so much because I was forcing everyone to be in the office. Every time a contract was written, we would ring the bell. Like the competition would would really be the energy. You you have to create that environment where people want to win. I mean, you're dealing with salespeople. That salespeople are competitive by nature. So, what are you doing to create that environment? What are you doing to in, to to give incentives for people to do better? And what are you doing to motivate those who aren't doing well? Is the question and the key too was like you were there oh yeah and that was your you were a full-time very motivated very focused person whose sole job was to motivate them to Correct. change the culture to change the amount of homes sold i mean that was what you were there for you weren't there to transact you know to help settlements to go on home inspections to sell you were there to make this team better absolutely and i've been asked by other uh, other teams well you know how how did you keep everyone accountable and how did you do the lead gen and blah 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 and the distribution well it's quite simple i had no no personal motives right i'm not a licensed salesperson i've never done 
a real estate transaction. So when a million dollar listing lead comes in, I have no motive to keep it for myself. Now, had I been licensed and maybe I, I, I was relying on this to be part of my income. Yeah. I mean, human nature, part of me would be, would want to cherry pick some of those good leads and keep it for myself than, than, than distribute it. So I think that's another key thing was that I was not licensed. And also that built the instant trust, right? Because all the agents knew that when I was distributing leads, I was distributing them fairly. I wasn't keeping anything for myself. Mm, yeah. I love that. I, I, I love that concept. And I love that you're not licensed, so you weren't removed from your primary goal, your purposeful goal, you know, which was account- essentially accountability and motivation. Yeah. And okay, so now let's fast forward, right? So you go through a, a full year of this massive accountability, massive motivation. Where did you end up the year? So we ended up with a 35% profit margin. And a GCI of 1.8. Okay. So that comes out to be what, like? Like, it was, it was about 630,000. So net. You, you took it from 400,000 to 630,000 net, right? You're more than, you know, 60%. You added 60% to the bottom line in 12 months. And tell me about, like, uh, you know, how you came to selling it. Like, how does someone listening now that's thinking, you know what? I'm never going to be able to sell a real estate business. Nobody in my market is going to have enough money to buy it. What do you say to the naysayers that are thinking like that? And how'd you do yours? I think that you have to create a legit team, right? So, so what Leo did prior to me even joining, he did a really good job at creating this well-oiled machine where Literally, I all I had to do was step in and make it better, right? So you, you get a solid, solid, solid team in place first. You have to have that first. You have to have a solid team in, in place first, and you have to have a solid business relationships knowing that, hey, next year I'm going to get X amount of properties. Mm. I think that's the biggest key because a lot of people, they're kind of just going through things on a whim versus having a more methodical approach to it of knowing – this is how many homes I did this year, and for sure by next year I'll have at least this many homes. Sam Monreal has over 200 agents that he sifts through leads for every day at his company Rockerbox. Dale Archdeacon coaches agents how to sift through leads on their team. Both are industry experts at incoming leads and outbound leads. Nobody is talking more about this subject than these two guys. They have given me the form that all their people, all their coaches, in Sam's case, all his sifters use to qualify potential seller prospects and to turn them into listing appointments. I'm gonna give this form to you for free just as a benefit of being a listener of Real Estate Rockstars. To get a free copy of this form, text SCRIPT, that's S-C-R-I-P-T, to 444-999. That's SCRIPT to 444-999.
I think most agents feel that way. You know what I mean? They always think they're going to do one or more home sales more than they did the year prior. And over the last four or five years, you know, many of them have done, you know, large percentages more. So I think that optimism exists um, and it's proven that it, it can happen in this market. So, so you first, what you did is you were with Keller Williams, right? Mm-hmm. And you had the team with Keller Williams and then Compass came to town Explain what Compass is, and you know I've read a little bit about them, and uh, you know that they got a bunch of venture capital, which is odd for a real estate company or different to get venture capital. So what happened? Yeah, so basically um, there was an upfront, there was an upfront money, and then a three-year earnout with Trevor, our our team lead. Okay, so you found this agent, right? And and he was one of your what one of your top agents. Correct. Yeah. So, so Trevor had been with the team the longest. He came in, he came in through a referral and he literally started off at $10 an hour and then eventually worked his way up to being a buyer's agent, then listing agent, then team lead, then taking our book of business with him. So he, he has a great story. So, and how many years did he do that? He joined the team seven years ago. Okay. So it took him seven years. Okay. Okay, good. So he's built up seven years. He knows your team. He knows your clientele, that sort of thing. I know Mike Sloan from my office when he bought my team was about 10 years. So you had somebody here that was solid. Now, we had Steve Murray on the show a little while back, and Steve said that, you know, a team in Alaska recently sold for two and a half times earnings which is a is a decent multiple you know real estate teams it's very hard to get uh solid multiples we had we did have carol gecko on from long and foster who sold hers for a three multiple she's there in um, northern virginia where you guys are so what was the multiple that you got uh from trevor so per our contract with compass we cannot disclose that type of information is confidential but i will tell you it was definitely worth our while so wait a minute so who bought it was it trevor that bought it or compass so compass gave us money up front for him to join compass and then there's a three-year earn out from trevor to us okay so basically compass wanted trevor to move away from Keller Williams and go to Compass. So they said, hey, if you come over here and bring Leo's team or Uh your team now, we'll give you the down payment to buy it. Correct. And so that down payment went to Trevor, who then gave it to you, essentially, or or maybe just bypassed him, whatever. And then then at that point, he's got to pay you out of his proceeds for the next three years. For the next three years, correct. Okay. All right. And that was based on a uh, it already netting about six hundred grand, you know, outside of whatever Trevor made. He because he was an agent, he was still making commissions, right? Mm-hmm. Okay. And then you left, and you and you had your son, and and now you know you're raising a family and that sort of thing. So what I want to get to is kind of the do's and don'ts. Um, in your very fast life there as uh, someone who has basically taken a company and 
and and beefed it up so that it became saleable and we were able to do that. So what what are what are some lessons that you learned? Where did you get your head kicked in um, and mistakes that you made that we can learn from so we don't do the same thing? Sure. So when I first joined joined the team, all I kept thinking was was growth, 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 and how do you get to growth? hire a whole bunch of agents, uh, hire anyone with a pulse, basically. And uh, so I came came to realize very soon that that's not the way to go. That's not the way to do things. So I actually developed a 17-day a onboarding process after the hiring process. And the hiring process was typically this. So one, when I was recruiting, I would go around asking friends and family for referrals, then vendors. If that didn't work, then um, I would call other team leads and ask them, hey, is there somebody that may not particularly fit your team but may be a fit for our team? And then after that, I would post targeted Facebook ads um, for specific demographics within um, the D.C., Maryland, Virginia area. Wait a minute, minute. so slow this down. So, okay, so first of all, you're calling other teams. Yeah, I, I mean, I mean, I guess. Why would you want somebody's dead weight? Because sometimes, and and it, and actually, we got quite a few good referrals. Like somebody that was specifically looking for more mentorship, and some of these big brokers just couldn't provide that, or they they said, you know, we try to get him, but they're not interested. Maybe you here, you give it a shot. Maybe he'll go to your team or he or she will go to your team. So it wasn't necessarily dead weight. And I would do the same for them because I was recruiting 40% of the time. And I had so many agents come in that I think would have been great for any typical Keller Williams office, but just wasn't a good fit for me personally. So I would do them the same favor and send send people back their way. So you'd send it to the team leader of the Keller Williams office and be like, Hey, you should recruit him as a, a regular agent or exactly. try to the try to find agent. another team in the office that might want a new agent or whatever. So then you are like, as soon as you guys get a hot one that doesn't have a team that you think is talent, give it to me. <laughs> right. Yeah. 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 Okay, I got you, and back and forth, and that and that worked out good. So you really became a recruiter. You said forty percent of the time. Yeah, I was recruiting forty percent of the time. Wow, that's interesting. And then, and then, what about the, these Facebook ads? Now, are you saying you did these Facebook ads to to generate business or to recruit? No, I did the Facebook ads to to recruit agents that had the same lifestyle that we did. So. If I could sum up our team in three words, it would be that we were millennials, we were fit, and we were hardworking. Okay, so, millennials, fit, yeah, like physically fit, right? Yeah, yeah. Well, and at least someone who has an interest in fitness. Okay, no, I mean it's cool. I mean, you you know what you are and you know what you're not. So so you knew that this was what you were, and then you wanted to target other people for this culture. And how did you do that? So, for example, we as a team would do Tough tough Mudder. We would do L.A. Boxing first thing in the morning. So I would place ads for people who liked Tough Mudder on their Facebook page or who liked L.A. Boxing or who had liked marathons so that I would attract people with similar lifestyle interests. Now, did you target real estate agents who liked tough mother no, or just no, no. randoms no, I, I targeted friends of friends friends of friends who like tough mother 
And 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 then what did the ad say? The ad, um, I mean, I don't remember the top. Off what it was like? Are do a career in real estate? Yeah, but stuff like that. We're hiring, we're hiring. We had at that time we had uh, three open positions. One was for um, real. We I think I put real estate agent, and the other one was um, aspiring real estate agent, and the third one was ISA. Okay. Okay. And then, and then you found them that way. Mm-hmm. Okay. All right. What else? What, what else did you learn, you know, coming in? What were like your expectations? Tell me about an expectation that you maybe had that didn't work out. Ooh. Um, you mean like an example of someone that I thought was amazing? Sure. If that's what it is, if you have a story there, yeah. Sure, yeah. So I hired this one sales guy. He had a great background in door knocking and sales for a home improvement company, and he was just such talent. He really was. He he blew me away. He blew – I even had the time to make him – I made time for him to meet with Leo. Leo was blown away with him. I mean, the guy just had pure, raw talent, but he had no work ethic. I mean, no work ethic. And I saw that – about two weeks in and I was like I mean I need to fire this guy but he's just so good you know he's just so good like if he just tried he got on the phones for like one day and set three appointments and I'm like man I just I got to keep him around for for that simple reason and then another two weeks went by and you know he's just like oh you know I got this I got that going on I got to go down to Richmond for the weekend blah 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 so he was great raw talent but did not have the work ethic and so what I learned right there in that 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 moment was that i will take hard work over talent any day Mm. and having someone who's not as committed as the rest of us just has got to go so well sometimes i think we we describe talent in different ways and it's easy to to find a high eye personality and be like that guy's talented Uh, but at the end of the day they're they're you know too social, right? They're social and lazy. It's I guess it's social and hardworking is the best, right? Right. Yeah. So to go further into the process, so after that, I decided, okay, I'm going to take this recruiting process to the next level. So we did the initial um, ad campaign. Once they 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 their resume matched up, I would have have them fill out a disc profile. I'm sure you've heard of it. But um, a disc profile is basically a personality assessment. Once I yep. got that back, then I brought them in for an in-person interview. That in-person interview, I'd time block for about two hours and really get to know their whole entire life story. And through that, really get to know who they were as a person. After that, then I'd have them meet with Trevor, have Trevor sell, basically close the deal on, on why we're so great because of his story. Then I'd bring them back in for a third interview, in-person interview, but this time it would be with the team. So what I would do is I'd invite them to one of our team meetings and I would typically take three or four candidates at a time and bring them all in at once because I wanted to see how they reacted under the pressure of being interviewed by the whole team. I didn't tell them it was an interview. I just said, hey, come in and join us in on one of our our team meetings prior prior to making any decision and so they would I'd have two or three people come in and it would literally be like you know who's going to get voted off the island type thing and the pressure was on and I wanted to see how they interact and I wanted to see what their EQ was and how how they fit with the team as well and then once 
that was over, then I'd get feedback from the other team members. And this, again, built more trust from the team members because now they're they're part of the process. It's not just like, oh, well, she hired Susie and now Susie's going to get all the leads because, you know, blah, blah, blah. It's it's that whole like, no, we're doing this together as a group. And um, that worked out really well. And it really, really, you, if they could survive that hiring process, <laughs> then ah. they, <laughs> then they could maybe survive being on the team. Yeah, and they wanted it, and it means they wanted you, and you wanted them. You know what I mean? At, at, at the end of, at the end of that, you know, at the end of that process. Mm-hmm. You know, and so once they they got on board. The, the first two days, I would lock myself into the conference room with the new hires and literally just go over company culture for two days. Like, I wouldn't even touch on Boomtown. I wouldn't even talk about how to open up uh, anything. I wouldn't even go into scripts yet. It was literally the first two days was just talking about the minimum standards, examples and case studies of, of bad customer service, and um, really getting to know who they are as a person because – Later on, when they were unmotivated, I knew what triggers to point out. I knew what point in their life story to bring up and say, hey, yeah, don't, you know, don't make a story about this. You need to get motivated. You don't want to be like you did in seventh grade when that, you know, that teacher let you down or whatever. Wow. (laughs) Yeah. So it was, you really get to know a person when you're stuck in a room for them for for 16 hours. Um, It was time consuming and it's a lot of work, but it was well worth it. And so then from there, there was the, the rest of the, the 17 day onboarding was scripts, dialogues and all that thing. But, um, the first two days was just company culture. Yeah. What I love about this was, is that you like, you didn't know any different, right? You came from a total different background. You came from title and you understood the transactional process, but you came from an idea of, you know, I am building a sales team. It didn't matter whether it was a selling uh, telephones or cars or, or, you know, widgets. It doesn't matter. You're coming from strictly from an outsider perspective of, you know, I'm going to build a team of salespeople and this is how it's going to be done. And you didn't have, you know, these old ways of thinking on how to sell houses. You're like, I'm going to put it into more of a corporate sort of structure and I am going to be that full-time uh, drill sergeant and that's my whole job and and look what it did it you know jumped you 60 percent revenue yeah it was it was exhausting it was a lot of work but it was worth <laughs> it <laughs> well I bet well I bet but that's great because you earned your keep so listen Ariana this has been awesome I really appreciate you coming on and telling your story and and uh, inspiring everybody that's listening I'm going to put all of Ariana's information on hybendigital.com backslash Ariana Parejo. And that's A-R-I-A-N-A-P-A-R-E-J-A. Ariana, thanks so much. I really appreciate it. Thank you, Pat. Thank you for listening to Real Estate Rockstars. Please be sure to leave us a five-star review wherever you're listening. All five-star reviews help us get better and better guests for your listening pleasure. And if you have a great review, I'll read it on the show. We are so proud of this show now with over a million downloads in 79 countries around the world. 
Also, don't forget to buy my book if you haven't already. Six Steps to Seven Figures, a real estate agent's guide to building wealth and creating your destiny. With an intro by Gary Keller. Sold everywhere online books are sold. You can always go to pathyben.com and find out about all things Pat Hyben. And don't forget to follow me on social media. All you got to do is type in my name. I'm everywhere and easy to find. I hope to meet face-to-face someday. But in the meantime, let's meet on social media. Thanks again for listening and keep rocking. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.